I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Anna Sheridan, missing for nearly six months now. That's not possible. Someone with a more vivid imagination might decide she'd pierce the veil. There's no place for ghost stories in this investigation or any other. I need you to find me. The Sheridan a serialized horror mystery podcast. Stream the complete series today on Realm and on all podcasting platforms. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Bloody Sunday. So grab your peaceful march. And let's... Get civical. Everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am, of course, Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And it's March. It's our first recording session in March. Oh, hello. Of 2023. Oh, hello. Where January and February went, I could not even tell you. They're in the same place as the New York snow, which is nowhere and bye bye. It's gone. Gone. It's gone. We had that little that little snow mm-hmm. moment earlier this week, last week, whenever it was. You tell me. Time <laughs> is a social construct. Um, but now it is no longer snowy. No. And I, I mean, I don't think we'll ever get it. No. Like a full. I can. There's like to me like a now a fifty fifty chance that we get like a late, crazy like nor'easter thing. Right. But 
it's like the it's just dwindling. It's just you know? yeah. It's just the, the closer it gets to where there's just more consistently warmer weather, because the ground will be warm. Right. Apparently, we have to go to California if you want snow. That's right. That's right. Shout out to our West Coast girlies who are covered in snow. Yeah. Everything's wild. Everything's wild. So crazy. Up is down. Down is up. But you know what's constant? This show. The fact this that show. we're here, that you've shown up time and time again on your Wednesdays or your Thursdays or literally whatever day you're listening on. We appreciate you showing up. Um, I'm going to do the thing that I always forget to do, except once every, let's call it eight episodes, where I remind people that you can rate and review and subscribe to us at the top of the episode <laughs> and find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical and talk to us. Tell us if you want to hear an episode about something. What are you curious about? We'll probably what do, do it. What do you want to learn? We'll, yeah. we'll absolutely do it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I always forget to say that. And now I'm being, I'm being good. You're so good. I'm dotting You're my I's and crossing my T's today. Yep. Boop, boop, cross off. But the topic for today is she a little one, heavy. She's heavy. Yeah. She's he- so it's like very in contrast of last week's episode, which yes. weirdly was a crime, but it wasn't, didn't feel heavy. Maybe because no. so much time has passed. I don't yes. know. There's yeah. something about it that didn't feel heavy. But this one is definitely heavy, but it's also, I think it's heavy because it still feels so uh, relevant. You know, like, yeah, if yeah, this this could happen today. This has happened in our lifetime. Like, right. This, you know, we're talking about a specific event, obviously called Bloody Sunday. But Bloody Sunday happens a lot, especially in this country. Happens a lot. Um, It's called one name is Bloody Sunday. The March on Selma. Mm-hmm. The events on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Mm-hmm. However you want to call her. Yeah. Um, it was at an important, important moment in history. Very. And uh, one that I feel, especially when we talk about the education system in this country, like I definitely didn't learn about Bloody Sunday or the march on like the, the march in Selma, the, the Edmund Pettus Bridge was not in any focal point of my education in Texas, which is not it's it's not surprising, right? Because obviously, but it's also like this happened in the South, and the South is not fully teaching this event. No, No. and if it is, it's like being lumped in with like, you know, here's here's your two week course on the you know civil rights movement, and there's the Selma marches, there's the civil rights acts, there's Martin Luther King and him getting shot and have a shot like. It's yep. all compacted and nobody gives the actual space that it deserves. Like this is its own event that requires its own analysis and discussion. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to do today. Yeah. I think I learned about it. I mean, I-, I heard of it and learned a little bit about it, but definitely it wasn't until the movie came out that I was like, oh. Right. This is a thing. Oh, I had yeah. no idea that it was this kind of a story or this big of a right. story or this pivotal of a moment. Right. Because it had such an impact. Yeah. And yet it's like it's like we learn about the things that it caught, like the effects that it caused, but we don't talk about the source of the events that came after it, you know, like. Right. 
it's I just feel like it gets or at least for me and my experience with education growing up was totally removed from the equation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, this is a pivotal moment. (laughs) Right. And there was a before and there is an after. So you have to. Yeah. Like, let's talk about the whole timeline, the whole timeline, which we're going to do. We're going to do. Which we're going to do. Yeah. But before we do, do you want to talk about the sources? My God, I literally thought you would never ask. I know. Um, I don't think you've ever asked me that question. I've never asked you that once in your life. No. Brand new day. The sources, we have four. National Mm. Geographic. Love. PBS. Some good little snippets from PBS. The White House Archives, specifically the Obama White House Archives, because the anniversary Mm -hmm. happened when he was president. Yep. I think it was uh, like, I mean, it happens every year, the anniversary, but, um, but like the big, I think it was the 50th. Yeah, that was a big one. I remember that. Yeah. And history.com had a lot of great information about the actual movements and happenings of that day. Love it. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into the details. So what, what is Bloody Sunday? What was Bloody Sunday? And here we go. On March 7th, 1965, police, state troopers, and a citizen, quote, posse, violently attacked civil rights marchers attempting to cross the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. More than 15 marchers were hospitalized for injuries suffered in an event known as Bloody Sunday. The marchers organized by the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, or the SCLC, and the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, the SNCC, were attempting to walk from Selma to Montgomery, which is Alabama's capital. The Selma to Montgomery march was intended to draw attention to the violations of civil and voting rights in Alabama and throughout the South. Americans across the nation watched footage of peaceful protesters beaten until they were bloody and injured, and, as in the case of the legendary John Lewis, suffered concussions. And we did talk, I think we did bring this up when we um, did our episode on John Lewis. Oh, yeah. Which is a great pairing to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, which we did, I believe, right after he passed. I don't think it was before he passed. But little tidbit was John Lewis, who at that point was 25 years old, led over 600 marchers across the bridge in Selma, Alabama, and faced brutal attacks by oncoming state troopers. This footage of the violence collectively shocked the nation and galvanized the fight against racial injustice. So this is like, it's so, history repeats itself in such a obvious way. Yeah. Of there are the, the, the police brutality caught on film, shocks the nation into action, and then it dies down until the next time we see footage of police brutality shocking the nation to galvanize it into action. I mean, it's just like, like the, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. So that's the details, you know, that's, that's the, let's call it play by play. Talk to me about how we got to this event, how we got to the Selma to Montgomery March that was supposed to happen, which led to Bloody Sunday. Yes. So. The passage of the landmark Civil Rights Act of 1964, which had been months earlier, had done little in some parts of Alabama to ensure that African Americans had the basic right to vote. Perhaps no place was Jim Crow's grip tighter than in Dallas County, Alabama, where African Americans made up more than half the population, yet accounted for just 2% of registered voters. 
that sounds like a big discrepancy. Sure. I feel like we are due an episode about Jim Crow laws, like an overview of Jim Crow laws. Oh, sure. We talk, I don't, yeah, I don't think we've they ever... Come up, it comes up so often in, when we do episodes, especially centering around this era. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had guests on that, who have talked about, like, mm-hmm. their work to overturn modern era Jim Crow laws. Yeah. For months, the efforts of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee to register black voters in the county seat of Selma had been thwarted. In January of 1965, Martin Luther King Jr. came to the city and gave the backing of the Southern Christian Leadership Council to the cause. So, in response, peaceful demonstrations in Selma and surrounding communities resulted in the arrests of thousands, including Martin Luther King Jr., who wrote to the New York Times, quote, This is Selma, Alabama. There are more Negroes in jail with me than there are on the voting rolls. The rising racial tensions finally bubbled over into bloodshed in the nearby town of Marion on February 18, 1965, when state troopers clubbed protesters and fatally shot 26-year-old Jimmy Lee Jackson, an African-American demonstrator trying to protect his mother, who was being struck by police. According to Marion civil rights organizer Albert Turner, he said, quote, The idea of a march from Selma came from the desire to go to Montgomery with Jimmy Jackson, take his body, and lay it on the steps of the Capitol. Close quote. The SCLC planned a march to Montgomery for Sunday, March 7, 1965, but George Wallace, who's the governor, swore to stop it. I want to, you know how we have like best friends of the show? You know, we have like, we kind of have like an ongoing list of people who are friends of the show. Oh, we have enemies. I want a list of enemies yes, of the show. Yes. And I want George Wallace at the top. At the fucking top. Because I am so at the tippy top. At the tippy top. Because at, at bare minimum, I just don't understand. Like, like, go, he, like, he just must have been. Like, I mean, incredibly racist and all of those things in that sphere of words, but also just like angry and bored. Like, don't you have something better to do? Why is this the thing? Like, I can't imagine being so angry at something like this that I'm like, I'm going to stop you from walking across a bridge. Well, it's it's like, I mean, just contextualize it into modern day. Like I would make the argument, you know, first thing off the top of my head is like, why are you so bothered? Like, don't you have something better than do than to prevent women from having abortion access? You know what I mean? Like it's because I feel like this he he was empowered by not only other government officials but like all the way all the way up the government totem pole because at this point right the his sentiments were echoed in the highest realms of the government but also by his voters he's yeah like, he is representing people who want him to be a strong arm and so right. it becomes like his the whole thing yeah. like that's it, it, he he has his success off of right he's carrying out the will of the people who don't want Correct. Black people and Selma and in the South and in general to have the right to vote. And this is somebody, I mean, George Wallace didn't just like wake up one day and was like, I am going to go after the black man. Like this is his whole life. This is his whole upbringing. It's like you could see the the trail of 
racism and, you know, just diabolical thinking. Yeah. From his family to the family before him. Like this is a systemat this is a systematic injustice, the fact that this man is in power and is able right. to do these things. Right. And it's the whole and it's, like the entire nation it's is his, to blame. It's his like a core belief that he operates on. Like Yeah. I think yeah. like when we talk about these things sometimes it feels like go read a book, go do something else, go, you know, like, but it misses the point that these are fundamental core beliefs to yeah, these individuals, just like we have our own. And like, you know, not, I'm not saying that, yeah. you know, I'm not equating races and not racists, but I'm just saying like, these are, it's not like a, a, you know, a fleeting thought or like, a, oh, it's Saturday. No, what should I it's do It's thoughts like, that he's been empowered by and re- have been reinforced upon him in every area of his life since he was born. Yeah. yeah. It's his, it's you know, that belief. this is this is how you treat black people. Mm-hmm. And this is what they deserve. Right. Like, that's just the whole and, 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 and his family before him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it goes all the way back. It goes all the way back. And that's why he's at the top of our shit list. Shit list. Shit list. Number one, George Wallace, congratulations. We literally yeah. built an enemies list for you. For you. So they're going to walk across the bridge. George Wallace has sworn to stop it. Civil rights leaders plan to take their cause directly to Alabama Governor George Wallace on a 54-mile march from Selma to the state capital of Montgomery. And although Wallace ordered state troopers quote, to use whatever measures are necessary to prevent a march, close quote, approximately 600 voting rights advocates set out from the Brown Chapel AME Church on Sunday, March 7th. (sighs) George, 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 George. Not a fan. Big surprise. (laughs) I thought you would like George Wallace. I was so wrong. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I think I'd have to come out to Brooklyn and shake you. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. So that's what led to the march. Let's talk about the actual march itself. 54 miles, lot, 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 lot of march, a lot of march to be had. So the demonstrators marched undisturbed through downtown Selma, where the ghosts of the past constantly permeated the present. As they began to cross the steel-arched bridge spanning the Alabama River, the marchers who gazed up could see the name of a Confederate general and reputed Grand Dragon of the Alabama KKK, Edmund Pettus, staring right back down at them in big block letters emblazoned across the bridge's crossbeam. So here's where my, I mean, I have a lot of ignorance around this event. Oh, I had no idea that that was. I had no idea that Edmund Pettus was a former Grand Dragon of the KKK. Of the KKK. No, I had no idea. 
Once Lewis and Williams reached the crest of the bridge, they saw trouble on the other side. A wall of state troopers wearing white helmets and slapping billy clubs in their hands stretched across Route 80 at the base of the span. Behind them were deputies of County Sheriff Jim Clark, some on horseback, and dozens of white spectators waving Confederate flags and giddily anticipating a showdown. So it's it's like at one end of the bridge are the marchers, and yeah. on the other br- end of the bridge are the police, basically. Knowing a confrontation awaited, the marchers pressed on in a thin column down the bridge's sidewalk until they stopped about 50 feet away from the authorities. Major John Cloud called out from his bullhorn, quote, It would be detrimental for your safety to continue this march. This is an unlawful assembly. Not true. You have to disperse. You are ordered to disperse. Go home or go to your church. This march will not continue. Reverend Hosea Williams replied, quote, Mr. Major, I would like to have a word. Can we have a word? Hosea Williams and John Lewis stood their ground at the front line. After a few moments, the troopers, with gas masks affixed to their faces and clubs at the ready, advanced. So no discussion to be had. No discussion to be had. They're literally just walking, and the people who are leading them are like, can we have a conversation? Can we have a conversation? And uh, they're walking. They don't have um, weapons. They have also, no weapons. To be very clear. <laughs> like yeah. they're literally walking. They're just walking. So the troopers pushed back John Lewis and Hosea Williams. Then their pace quickened. They knocked the marchers to the ground and struck them with sticks. Clouds of tear gas mixed with the screams of terrified marchers and the cheers of reveling bystanders. Deputies on horseback charged ahead and chased the gasping men women and children back over the bridge as they swung clubs, whips, and rubber tubing wrapped in barbed wire. Although forced back, the marchers did not fight back. I don't think barbed wire wrapped in rubber tubing is police, um, what's it called? Approved. Oh. Weaponry? Weaponry? (laughs) No. No, no. I don't know. I don't know what you call it, but like... It's it's fucked up. It's fucked up. No, that's like, that's not in a textbook. That's like, you know, backyard. I'm, you know, going to make some weapons and because I'm angry and I don't want you to take what's mine because you don't deserve it kind of weaponry. Like, that's just. Yeah. Grotesque. I think what's important to highlight, and I'm sure has been highlighted many times over, and almost feels obvious, but I still feel like we should say it is the the initial, um, I guess let's call it a reaction of the police was not to arrest. It was not to deescalate. It was simple. It was literally to beat. Like that was that was the first. Impulse, oh yeah, they weren't getting- was to inflict physical harm. Right, because their goal is to not let them cross the bridge. Like. If they get across right. the bridge. It is bridge. not to, like, de-escalate. It's not to, like, break this thing up. It's literally, we're gonna... And, and it wasn't uncommon. And, and I think that's what's hard when you're talking about this in this sort of modern sense. It's like, it, this wasn't uncommon. Yeah. So the 
police force and their supports attacked the marchers and attacked John Lewis, who was the who was one of the leaders of the march. Lewis later testified in court that he was knocked to the ground and a state trooper then hit him in the head with a nightstick. When Lewis shielded his head with a hand, the trooper hit Lewis again as he tried to get up. Weeks earlier, King had scolded Life magazine photographer Flip Shulk for trying to assist protesters who were knocked to the ground by authorities instead of snapping away, saying, quote, the world doesn't know this happened because you didn't photograph it. Close quotes. That's Martin Luther King to a photographer from Life magazine. He's like, don't help them. Yeah. Show the world what's happening. Yeah. I mean, you, I get both sides of the argument. I really do. Oh, I it's think like, like I, I totally get where Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. is coming from. And I totally get where the photographer is coming from and being like, I can't just watch people get beaten. Yes. I, I simply there are more important things. things. You know, there are children here. Like yeah. I but I also get from Martin Luther King's perspective of like, if you don't if we don't have proof, they're never going to believe us. Right. And even honestly, when we do have proof, they're going to try to spin they're, it as though like, and this we see this today, like there's so much proof and yet it's always spun of like, well, they were being aggressive. They were not obeying orders, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, but I, it's, it's interesting that you see this argument starting here in, when is this? 1965 of like, yeah. you have to have proof that it's happening because our bloodied bodies aren't enough. This time, however, on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, television cameras captured the entire assault and transformed the local protest into a national civil rights event. It took hours for the film to be flown from Alabama to the television network headquarters in New York. But when it aired that night, Americans were appalled at the sights and sounds of Bloody Sunday. In Washington, Congress people of both parties voiced support for legislation with the power to stop the violence and guarantee voting rights for all citizens in places like Selma. Around 9.30 p.m., ABC newscaster Frank Reynolds interrupted the network's broadcast of Judgment at Nuremberg, <laughs> which is a, a movie about Nazi no. bigotry and war crimes and moral culpability in the Holocaust. A star-studded movie. A star-studded movie, History.com says. It, it felt like a moment that needed to have gravity and, and like, the star-studded yeah. movie felt because, like it because made a little... Because we have to let the people know that to stop, to stop the broadcast of this movie is is bigger than you think it is because this was a star-studded cast. This wasn't no just, second. you know, your everyday m- movie about Nazi bigotry and war crimes. This is Hollywood A-listers. Right, but also, like, what a movie to stop. Like, to stop a movie about the Nuremberg Trials. Mm-hmm. To turn to, on, to bring on what happened yeah. five hours ago in Selma, Alabama, which yeah. is, like, I, I mean, the, at least it wasn't, you know, I don't even know, like, you know, some rom-com by Neil Simon or something. Yeah. If you're already watching The Judgment at Nuremberg, you're, you're at least in a headspace where if you see something disturbing, you yes. know, it won't be quite as a culture shock. Yeah. Nearly 50 million Americans who had tuned into the film's long-awaited television premiere couldn't escape the historical echoes of Nazi stormtroopers in the scenes of the rampaging state troopers down in Selma. Quote, the juxtaposition struck like psychological lightning in American homes, said Gene Roberts and Hank Klibanoff in The Race Beat. Yeah. The connection wasn't lost in Selma either. When a local store was finally empty of customers, one shopkeeper confided to Washington Star reporter 
Haynes Johnson about the city's institutional racism. The shopkeeper said, quote, everybody knows it's going on, but they try to pretend they don't see it. I saw Judgment at Nuremberg on the late show the other night, and I thought it fits right in. It's just like Selma. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the aftermath. So America is outraged because they've seen live footage of this very disturbing event that happened. So outrage at Bloody Sunday swept the country. Sympathizers staged sit-ins, traffic blockades, and demonstrations in solidarity with the voting rights marchers. Some even traveled to Selma, where two days later, Martin Luther King Jr. attempted another march, but to the dismay of some demonstrators, turned back when troopers again blocked the highway at the Edmund Pettus Bridge. On March 18, 1965, a federal district judge, who was also Wallace's college friend, named Frank Johnson, sanctioned a second protest march from Selma to Montgomery. Alabamians? Alabamians? I know. Alabamians? Who knew? I don't think I've ever said that before. Alabamians. It's like Michiganders. What? The people of Alabama were indignant at yet another intrusion of the federal government into local affairs. Wallace refused to spend any state funds on providing protection for the demonstrators, sending his approval ratings in his home state soaring. Oh, good. President Johnson countered by federalizing the Alabama National Guard. So President Johnson's like, fuck you, George Wallace. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll provide the security. How about that? In like a big dick swing. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's Lyndon Johnson. You know, he was like, okay, I'll, so I'll show you who the bigger, I'll show you who the bigger man is. Yep. Yep. Give me one second. Yeah. You forget that I'm the president of the uh-huh. United States. And that I have no problem peeing in front of my staff. So. The third March started on March 21st with protection from a thousand military policemen and 2000 army troops. Thousands of people joined along the way to Montgomery with roughly 25,000 people entering the Capitol on the final leg of the march. So we finally have a successful march from start to finish. And it's truly, honestly, mostly because President Johnson actually sent security so they wouldn't, they could actually make it there. Yeah. Once they reached the Capitol on March 25th, they brought a petition for Governor George Wallace which I am sure he met with. (laughs) He was like, awesome. Welcome a plume. (laughs) First, that'll be on the top of my list to read. Exactly. Only a few months later, Congress passed the Voting Rights Act, which President Johnson signed into law on August 6, 1965. The Voting Rights Act was designed to eliminate legal barriers at the state and local level that prevented African-Americans from exercising their right to vote under the 15th Amendment after nearly a century of unconstitutional discrimination. So that's the positive. Of course, we have talked about often what has happened to the Voting Rights Act since this moment. Oh, yes. But it was at least something for a while good came out of this. Yep. (laughs) And, um... George Wallace can eat it in hell. <laughs> Just. Especially because, like, have you seen a picture of George Wallace? Uh, it's been a while. Doesn't he look like a gnome or something? He looks like he looks like somebody who's a piece of shit. Yeah. 
He looks like. Hold on, let me. I know. I'm like, I gotta pull this up. Haven't haven't looked at him in a while. I know. Who was the senator who was also yeah. Strom? Was it Strom Thurmond who was the asshole senator? Or not? Um. Um. Who am I thinking of? Oh yeah, Strom Thurmond, filibuster of the Civil Rights Act. Uh huh. That him. Ah, Strom. Yeah, not him. With a name like Strom, how can you possibly be good? Ah. Uh. How can you possibly not be an asshole? <laughs> Strom. Like. Strom. 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 It's one of those names that I'm like, where did that come from? Like, that's not a... Oh, I'm sure it's it's it has to be Eastern European. It feels Eastern European. Oh, it does feel Eastern European. Yes. In, in origin. Like Strom von Sarsgaard or something. Yeah. Right? He's, like... he's the missing Skarsgaard kid. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't want to, I don't want to lump him in with that. The Scars Guards seem like really lovely people. I don't want to lump him in with them. No, 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 no. That's not true. But it's just, you're no, right. No, no. It feels Strom, like that. Strom is on his own. Yep. He's on his own. We have no, we have no patience for Strom Thurmond. We have no patience for George no. Wallace. No. But yeah, the, the, Strom can also go on the, the enemies list. Yes. Enemy of the show, Strom Thurmond, everybody. So with that said, that is our episode on Bloody Sunday. So thanks for for listening and learning with us on this heavy topic. And as always, as I said at the top, if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. Please rate and review and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.